This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome into the Hoisty Colors podcast, our post-National Signing Day uh, or early signing period, whatever you want to call it. You know, the problem with this thing is I don't think anybody really has an official name for it. Everybody calls it National Signing Day, but really National Signing Day technically is still in February, but this is the date 80% of kids uh, recruits sign, so whatever. We'll call it the we'll call it National Signing Day, early signing period, whatever. It all works. Uh, I'm Stephen Igo, the host of this podcast and the publisher of hoistthecolors.net. It is early Thursday afternoon. We are recording this podcast to recap what happened on Wednesday with ECU's 2021 class. They signed 12 uh, future student-athletes to uh, national letters of intent. They also announced two graduate transfers, um, which we will get into, and then also announced uh, two preferred walk-ons. And we'll dive into each of these guys what they mean to the 2021 recruiting class and, you know, how early will they make an impact, that sort of stuff. Um, we'll address the Javante Sherman situation, the Valdosta three-star receiver, one of the highest-rated commitments on ECU's uh, recruiting board, did not sign as expected yesterday. You know, don't really have the full story there, but I'll dive into some of the things I'm hearing a little bit later. Also, Jalen Clyatt, who we've left, who we've left on the – uh, 24-7 sports ECU commitment list. He was not expected to sign due to an academic standing uh, of his. He did not sign as expected, but we're going to leave him on the commitment list as of now until he announces either he's decommitted um, or is reopening his recruitment. I mean, he's technically still a verbal commitment, even though ECU did not expect to assign him. He's likely heading to uh, junior college. So ECU, you know, a pretty successful day, not without some drama due to the Javante Sherman situation. Uh, but overall, I mean, you look at this recruiting class, it's not done yet. And, it, you know, it's important to to emphasize that. You know, we had, um, I should say, some smart asses on the board uh, talk about the offensive line situation. You know, clearly the offensive line is still a high priority. They did not sign uh, any JUCOs or transfers yesterday, but that doesn't mean they can't sign any come February or pick up some after that or before that. I mean, the offensive line is still a high priority for ECU. They want to add at least two offensive tackles, whether it be transfers, whether it be JUCO kids. Um, there's still plenty of names out there, and ECU still has plenty of scholarships available. So I'm not fretting over that yet. If we get to February and they still don't have any offensive line commitments or signees, then, yeah, you can be a little worried. But this is just uh, really the start of the 2021 recruiting class, and I think it is a successful start. I mean, they went into this process, especially – over the last number of weeks, really focused on shoring up the offensive line and the secondary, and they took care of one of those big needs in the secondary. And there, there's no doubt that they did that. 
with a rash of commitments leading up to uh, the early signing period. And uh, we're going to dive into kind of each of these guys and, and what they bring to the table. So let's start first with the secondary. ECU announces five defensive backs. As Mike Houston said yesterday, you know, Cruz Temple, who uh, 24-7 Sports has rated as a three-star safety. You know, he's a guy that on film kind of flashes uh, linebacker ability as well. He's listed at 5'11", 205. He could end up playing closer to the box. He could end up as a Sam backer. It just depends on kind of how he develops once he gets here. And he gets here in January uh, for an early start in his career. So um, really good high school prospect uh, is Cruz Temple. He's actually the only high school signee in the secondary uh, because Jaden Chalmers, the former UNC signee, comes from prep school at Fork Union Military Academy. And uh, I'm personally really high on Jaden. I know the ECU staff is as well. They had him in camp last year, which really was a bit of a refresher um, in terms of they just haven't seen a lot of these guys, a lot of these in-state targets in particular that they offered early in the process, kind of the fringe guys. They haven't seen them in person. Jaden's a guy who they did see in person in the summer of 2019. They offered him after seeing him run, and Mike Houston said yesterday he ran a 4-4 flat on the 40-yard dash in camp. And, um, you know, he's got great length. You know, UNC offered a few few weeks after ECU offered last summer. They ended up getting his commitment, but he really liked ECU at the time. Things didn't work out at North Carolina. Um, he was still set to go there after arriving at Fork Union, but they really kind of over-recruited him. And whether they would have taken him or not, you know, I kind of gotten mixed signals on that. But, you know, they have such good talent right now at corner. They really didn't need Jaden. And so Jaden, he's coming to ECU. You know, I think it's a mutual fit. Uh, he'll have a chance to compete for playing time here. He really likes East Carolina. Um, he's hungry after kind of having the opportunity ripped away from him last year. Uh, he, you know, he's done what he's, need, what he's needed to do in the classroom. Uh, great length, great speed. I think he'll bring a lot to the corner room. and He's expected to be in in January, which is a major bonus. Uh, for a guy like that. And he played football at Fork Union this past fall. So he, he was able to see that film. He was able to stay in shape, and that's a big bonus as well. Uh, so those are your two prep and high school DBs. Again, Jaden, really the only corner in this class. Safety was a much bigger need. I mean, you look at corner going into next year, you return really some young, um, pretty high upside corners. Of course, Jaquan McMillan, Nolan Johnson, Malik Fleming, three sophomores. You kind of know what you have there. Sean Tucker is a freshman they're really high on. C.J. Crump, another freshman that's got a chance. Demel Hickman's a guy who, who improved a lot. So you got some young depth at corner that wasn't as big of a need as safety. But still, Jaden, you can't turn down a talent like that. You, moving to the safety position, it was clear they wanted to add uh, immediate depth in terms of guys who could come in and compete for playing time right away. Of course, you got to start. When talking about that, it, with DJ Ford, the North Carolina transfer, uh, tremendous size, 6'3", 215, you know, can really run. And, you know, you kind of peg him as an in-the-box safety due to his size, but looking at some of the numbers uh, from Pro Football Focus, which we subscribe to, he's actually been really dependable and solid in coverage, and that's both at, at free safety, at boundary safety, at Sam Linebacker, which he did all that for North Carolina. Um, really talented guy and a guy who just, you know, got a little bit behind after opting out, you know, some younger guys took a spot. He opted out due to COVID concerns. 
And so he decided to play his extra, or his final year of eligibility somewhere else. And, um, you know, really good kid from talking with him. Um, like Coach Houston said, high character, you know, long, athletic, former starter. I think he'll come in and compete for playing time right away. Um, the other two safeties, Kingston McKentry and Julius Wood, two JUCO safeties, both uh, are expected to play in the spring. Um, neither one of them, you look at their – 24-7 sports profiles. Neither one of them are highly rated or have a ton of offers on paper, but both these guys had some serious traffic towards signing that. You know, what you have happen here is ECU did an excellent job of getting on these guys early, kind of starting the recruiting process early and saying, hey, we only have one or two safety spots left. We really want you guys to come fill them. Take your scholarship now. You know, save your spot because who knows how many spots are going to be in the spring. Well, with the, you know a guy like Julius Wood, you had Mississippi State kind of saying, "Hey, Julius, hold on now. You know we really want you. We're kind of waiting on a few guys. If you hold off on signing now, we can get you a scholarship later." And Julius decided to take the opportunity with ECU. Um, there were a couple of other schools that got in late with both Julius and Kingston in similar situations, and both guys, you know, decided to hop on the opportunity. I think DJ Ford committing and taking one of those safety spots kind of help speed up the process. You know, once your spots start filling up, once you start getting some momentum, that's when you see a rash of commitments and kind of like we did there with uh, DJ, uh, Julius, and Kingston. But and, all, and all of these guys, you know, from talking with them, you know, sometimes coming from Juco, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get personality-wise, but I thought Kingston and Julius were, were extremely, you know, level-headed when talking to them, hungry for an opportunity feel like they have a lot to prove you know Julius said that he was committed to Kentucky out of high school um, then he signed with Miami of Ohio he needed a 2-5 to enroll but ended up with a 2-3 GPA and so it sounds like both these guys and Kingston just wasn't super highly recruited coming out of high school has done a good job academically and really improving himself at Iowa Central so I think both these guys good size can really run Julius Wood the biggest thing about him, you look at his special teams tape from his freshman year at Blinn College in Texas, and man, he is all over the place. The fastest guy on the field uh, as a gunner, also tremendous size at 6'2", 195, so you just needed to add some depth there. I mean, you went into a game last year with two or three scholarship safeties towards the end of the year. You were moving guys around. You know, you look at it on paper, you kind of like what you have coming back in a pair of starters in Sean Dorso, who's a sophomore and Warren Saba, but Jawan Powell, who played a lot towards the end of the year after the injury to Saba, you know, he's still only a redshirt freshman, and he's still learning the ropes. He still needs to develop. Um, he battled through some injuries last year and played well, but now that you bring in a DJ Ford who has one year left, a McKinstry, a Wood, both of those guys who are going to be sophomores with three years left, now it's not so much that, hey, we need Jawan Powell or we need David Laney, a true freshman, to play and develop right away. Uh, they can now take their time, learn the ropes, not have to be pressing the action. And if you lose a guy or two to injury like ECU did this past year, now you have McKinstry, now you have Wood, now you've got DJ Ford, you've got an older Juwan Powell, you've got an older David Laney to step in and really help there. So that was why safety in particular was such a need in this recruiting class. They didn't want to get caught in a situation like that again. That's why offensive line is such a need uh, going forward and we'll continue to see ECU address that as uh, February starts to arrive. All right, let's dive into some of these other positions. Kind of a little bit here or there. Um, 
Walter Simmons III, the only quarterback ECU signed in this class and really the only quarterback they offered in this class. You know, Billy Edwards from Virginia was an early offer from camp last year, but, you know, he wasn't quite the athlete ECU was looking for if they were going to take another quarterback after taking three last year. Edwards did end up committing to ODU and then flipping to Wake Forest right before signing day, so it would be interesting to see his career. But Walter Simmons is the guy that ECU targeted. Tremendous athlete out of Florida. You know, down the line, if things don't work out at quarterback, could easily switch positions, but I think he wants to play quarterback. I think ECU wants to see him in quarterback at quarterback, especially to start with. You know, good size, 6'2", 180. He's got a little bit of an awkward throwing motion, but pretty quick release, pretty good arm, uh, and then just a tremendous runner. Uh, really, really dangerous once he kind of breaks the pocket. Um, just an incredibly elusive, hard to tackle. You know, and looking at his his film, he handles a, a decent amount of the RPO stuff uh, now at Oakleaf, so he should be pretty familiar uh, with that style. He'll have a lot to learn, honestly, but um, you know, coming in, I think he should be pretty well prepared, and he gets in early, which should really help Walter. And all of a sudden, a very deep corner uh, quarterback room. Uh, running back again, similar situation. Really, um, starting this recruiting class, it wasn't a huge need. But then, you know, the development of Rajay and Keaton Mitchell, as funny as it is to say, as freshmen, really kind of emphasizes the need to add another running back behind them because it's going to be tough to recruit running backs for a while when you have two kind of bell cows and Mitchell and Harris, and you need a guy uh, behind them in case one of those guys goes down. Of course, you've got Darius Penix and Demetrius Mooney coming back. We've talked about both those guys a lot. Um basically being passed by Harris and Mitchell. You know, we'll see how how their careers go from here. Uh, I think Penix does want to come back, and he's got a role here for sure. Mooney, we've talked about potentially moving to defense, which we'll see what happens in the spring. But they needed to add another running back just as insurance. They did that with McKay. Still wouldn't be shocked if they add another running back, running back in time. But uh, McKay is an interesting case. I mean, several SEC offers early, big-time offers this past spring. Um, academically probably was not up to snuff uh, for some of those teams that really don't have to take a guy who, who maybe is a bit borderline. So, And he's using a situation with uh, with Harrison Mitchell where they can gamble on a guy like that. And, and they feel confident, uh, according to my sources, they can get, can get him in the school. So if they can get McKay, who's from Alabama, into school uh, and get him eligible, I mean, you have a chance to get an absolute steal there at six foot two sixteen. A uh, guy who can really run for his size, tough to bring down. So we'll continue to monitor his status going into the spring um, and going into you know the summer when, when he will get set to enroll. But really talented kid, obviously. Uh, wide receiver, uh, two signees announced there. T.J. Lockley, Theodore Lockley out of Florida, expected to play slot receiver. You know, was a little wishy-washy early in his recruitment. Had a ton of recruiting interest. And, you know, really kind of rushed his decision committing to Illinois when I thought that ECU, although they offered pretty late over the summer, um, I thought Lockley kind of just wanted to go to the Big Ten school. And, uh, you know, he kind of regretted that decision shortly after, ended up uh, backing off that commitment. And then ECU was the clear number one. Utah kind of came in and really made him think, you know, another Pac-12 school, but it just wasn't the right fit. 
Uh, him and his mom decided that ECU was the right fit. Tremendous recruiting job by Fontel Mines and the rest of the offensive staff. I really like TJ. You know, once he committed to ECU, he seemed 100% locked in. I think he's going to come here ready to work. Uh, he's got a great personality, a chip on his shoulder. You know, some don't think he can play receiver. I think he's looking to prove that, uh, those people wrong. He'll start off at slot receiver here. Great speed, uh, tremendous athleticism. It will be an adjustment. You know, he's got to learn the ins and outs of the position, but I, I like his upside a lot. Troy Lewis was the other uh, signee announced at receiver. 6'3", 200, uh, great size, projected to play outside receiver. And, um, you know, had a number of Ivy League offers, a number of, you know, high academic institution offers, but, you know, ECU was his biggest offer, and he wanted to come here, partly due to his teammate, uh, Jacob Coleman, who we'll talk about in a minute, who's expected to play tight end from Matoka High School in Virginia, but Troy, just a great young man, really think he will fit the culture here perfectly, I think he will be an ideal fit for Mike Houston's system, another guy that didn't get the chance to play his senior year to this point. Um, he will come in a little raw, and uh, but big physical receiver, can run for his size. I'll be interested to see how he kind of fits in with uh, ECU's receiver room. And then, of course, Javante Sherman. We'll address the Javante Sherman situation while we're on the receivers. I mean, in my opinion, I think Javante is by far the best pure wide receiver in this class, or at least he was um, heading into signing day. Now, since he committed, he seemed fairly locked in, but there have been some times, you know, when I've texted with him back and forth that he's been a little wishy-washy. You know, I texted him on Wednesday morning uh, when ECU was waiting on his signature, asked him when he was going to sign. He said 10.30 a.m. Uh, that came and went. Uh, I think it was around 11.30, 12 when I reached out to him again. Uh, hey, are you looking to uh, to sign today? And he never responded. Um, so still, and then he tweeted last night, late Wednesday night, that, his focus right now is on winning a state championship. And then he deleted the tweet. So from what I can gather, it seems like Javante and the coach staff at Valdosta are kind of giving ECU the runaround right now. Uh, if this continues, I, I can't say that I expect Javante Sherman to sign with ECU um, or even have a committable offer still standing. I mean, just knowing ECU's coaching staff, you know, Javante's an extremely talented kid. He's been committed a long time. But you can't stand up a school on signing day when they're expecting you to sign and then continue to expect them to, to stand by you. I, I don't know. I, I'm still gathering information. I'm sure there's a bigger school or a coach or something in his ear. But I, I think it's a, you know, it's a pretty big mistake of Javante to, uh, to not take advantage of the opportunity, especially when he said this whole time he expected to sign. It's just not good um, – you just don't see that a lot in recruiting when a guy says he expects to sign and then comes signing day, he doesn't sign, doesn't send in the paperwork. Not a good uh, standard to set for Javante Sherman. Again, we'll see, you know, over this next day or so, signing day runs through, or the signing period runs through Friday before it closes again. But uh, as of right now, I'm not expecting Javante Sherman to sign. We'll see if something changes uh, on that front. All right, continuing on with ECU's 2021 recruiting class in review. Um, the tight end position, ECU signs two, uh, out of high school. We just talked about Jacob Coleman joining Troy Lewis from Matoka. Uh, one of the more highly recruited kids in this class, the highly, uh, the highest rated signee to this point from 24 seven sports, great size, six, four, two fifteen. Um, 
you know, just a, a tremendous athlete. Could probably play outside linebacker, defensive end, but he will start at tight end with ECU. You know, also had Boston College, Rutgers, uh, a few other schools. I think Temple, UConn were in there. Uh, he elects to stick with ECU where his brother plays. He's a uh, preferred walk-on safety. Jonathan Coleman the second. Um, he's already in the program here, and his best friend is Troy Lewis. So really high on Jacob. I think both those guys, Troy and Jacob, both high-character kids, they'll fit. Uh, this culture extremely well. So he's the uh, the high school tight end. And then, of course, Ryan Jones from Oklahoma, the Oklahoma transfer, former four-star recruit out of Mallard Creek High School in the Charlotte area. He's coming back home to the state of North Carolina, was supposed to be in this past fall. Uh, came out one class short, had to delay his enrollment. Now he signs as a transfer with two years left from Oklahoma. So really talented guy. Again, we'll see. You know, he's making the transition from linebacker at OU to tight end here. He was originally recruited by a few schools out of high school as a receiver uh, before switching to defense in Norman. So, but super, super athletic kid. Uh, getting in early in January will really help him transition to the tight end room, and we'll see how he makes that transition. Uh, the offensive line we talked about earlier, still looking to add some uh, older guys, but they did sign two high school players. Richard Pierce. From Hueytown, Town, Alabama, I'm really high on Richard. Um, you know, listed at 6'3", 305, you know, three-star recruit. Um, really like his attitude. He's kind of a no-nonsense type of guy. Just, you know, really wasn't that highly recruited, but I love his film. You know, he just continues to play through the whistle, drive guys into the ground. Um, big frame, really like Richard's upside. And then Kanan Clark out of Georgia, just a huge, huge person, 6'6", 310. You know, he's one of the guys that uh, Coach Shankweiler was able to lay, eye, lay eyes on and see work out in the uh, before the pandemic in Georgia. So ECU was his only FBS offer, but the Pirates like his upside a lot. You know, he's going to have to uh, be taught kind of the ins and outs of offensive line. He played mainly D-tackle at uh, Forsyth Central in Georgia, but – you know, big physical kid, give him two or three years with Shank and this coaching staff, and I think he can really uh, develop into a, a, a top-end um, offensive lineman with the right size, because he has the right size and with the right development. Um, so I like those two high school linemen. Again, you need some older guys, which he's working on to continue to bolster the depth chart for the immediate future. But the long-term future with those guys, um, combined with last year's class of freshmen up front, I like that group a lot. Uh, linebacker, they signed one uh, linebacker in Jacoby Simpson, former TCU uh, signee. He was a top 30 uh, inside linebacker recruit coming out of uh, the Houston, Texas area before he signed with TCU. You know, fell a little bit behind on the depth chart at TCU. They're known for their great linebacker play under Gary Patterson. Things didn't work out there. He transferred transferred to Cisco College, did not play this fall due to the pandemic. Uh, canceling their season uh, he will enroll in January get a head start on things you know we'll see what type of shape he's in but he, he's a guy a big guy who can really run you know projected to play inside linebacker could play outside linebacker if needed um, big kid you know we'll see how he does picking up the defense but another Juco kid with three years left um, just like the safety so you gotta like that upside there so there's your 12 uh, national letters of intent that were signed um, along with the two graduate transfers. And then you had the two preferred walk-ons 
who I think are, especially at the kicker, Laith Marjan, uh, a big addition from Inlow High School in Raleigh, North Carolina. Had some other notable preferred walk-on offers like Oklahoma. Also some in-state schools offered him opportunities. He had scholarship offers to some service academies and FCS programs. He elects to come kick at ECU. Uh, on one hand, it's an in-state school. Location played a big role there. On the other hand, for Laith, he's got a chance to win the starting job as a freshman. Um, and talking with Worth Gregory, his punting coach, super, super talented kid. If he would have had a normal offseason where, you know, schools saw him kick in person, he probably would have got multiple scholarship offers from schools like ECU. Instead, you know, he's kind of betting on himself as a preferred walk-on, which a lot of specialists do. If he comes here and wins the job, he's going to get a scholarship eventually. So he'll come in, he'll compete with Owen Daffer, another uh, former preferred walk-on out of New Hanover who's got a lot of upside and also – Patrick Nations, who is on scholarship. Uh, he was offered by Scotty Montgomery originally and signed by Coach Houston's staff. But, uh, you know, Patrick's got a battle on his hands. And uh, you've got two scholarship punters now and Luke Larson and John Young, uh, assuming Young returns, and then a scholarship kicker in Nations. We'll see who wins the competition, but I think it'll be a fierce one uh, all throughout the summer and fall, and I think the winner will ultimately get that scholarship long term. That's just how kicking, uh, that's just how field goal kicking competitions work in major college football. So, uh, but Lace got a big upside, really talented kid, and ECU is lucky to have him. Uh, the other preferred walk on commitment, Avery Durham, six seven three zero five. Honestly, don't know a, a ton about this guy. Uh, he's from Forbush High School in Western North Carolina, where Coach Houston. Uh, started his high school coaching career in the mid-90s, so there's some ties there. You know, big guy, projected to play defensive tackle, actually looks pretty solid at offensive tackle on film too. Um, a guy that ECU wanted to get in camp due to his size and really kind of evaluate him in person, it didn't happen due to the pandemic, so he's coming as a preferred walk-on, an intriguing preferred walk-on. So I think that that is a, a name to watch. You look at this recruiting class overall, as it stands now with the signees that we know. Interesting that the breakdown of, uh, of guys by state is much different than we've seen in the past, and I think a lot of this is due to the pandemic. You know, you, you've got Alabama with two, two commitments from Alabama, two from Florida, two from Georgia, two from Ohio, two from Virginia, one, from, uh, for one signee from North Carolina originally. It's Jaden Chalmers. You've also got Ryan Jones, the transfer originally from North Carolina, um, and also uh, the two preferred walk-ons from North Carolina. You've got a guy from South Carolina and a guy from Texas. So, And then DJ Ford is originally from, um, from Alabama. So you're really kind of all over the map here, and it's interesting just how ECU has gone about this. I mean, they have clear needs. They've sought out those clear needs through different avenues than we've seen in the past, and I think that's fine. You look back at Scotty Montgomery signed so many in-state kids. Some of them were reaches at times, and a lot of those guys had to either switch positions um, or didn't pan out. You know, I, I, you've, you've obviously got to protect your home state, but in a year like this where you can't evaluate guys in their senior year or even in the spring – you can't just take a guy because he's an in-state kid. You've got to make sure you get a player who's not only going to fit your culture, but belongs in the American Athletic Conference. So, yeah, is it a little odd to see ECU going to Alabama and Ohio to recruit? A little bit, but you got to go where the players are. you got to go where the fits are, 
and I don't blame this coaching staff, especially given the circumstances, one bit for doing that. Um, and I think it'll work out in the long run. I mean, they'll continue to prioritize North Carolina kids. They offered a ton for this class that went to uh, some of the Power 5 schools. They've already offered a ton for the 2022 class. And if you look at their 2022 board, I'm sure they have uh, multiple in-state kids right on top, including hometown product Michael Allen from J.H. Rose. But we'll get into the 2022 class. I know there's been a lot of discussion about just the uh, kind of philosophy surrounding the 21 class and why there were not too many in-state kids. But really, it's just such a unique year. And it's just kind of how the cookie crumbled. It wasn't intentional. It just It's just how it kind of played out. So it is what it is. And I think some are making a bigger deal out of that than really, um, than really it is. So ECU, with the 14 scholarships they've used from this class, they can sign 19 to scholarships or they can use 19 scholarships in this class. So they got five spots remaining. Assuming that Giovante Sherman does not fill one of those slots, You've got five spots left. Of course, offensive line, at least two of those are going to offensive line. And then Coach Houston said yesterday in his press conference, you're probably going to see the Pirates continue to prioritize either the transfer portal or some type of transfer, whether it be JUCO or D1, FBS, FCS. They're they're just, you know, he doesn't want to take a high school kid right now, given the state of the roster, given the pandemic um, and the lack of ability to go on the road and see these guys live or see updated film. They don't want to take somebody like that unless they know for sure it's a difference-making talent. So, you know, looking at it on paper, there's a good chance you see the Pirates take two offensive linemen at least, if not three. There's a good chance you see the Pirates take a uh, defensive player in the front that can make a big difference as a pass rusher, particularly an edge guy. Uh, And then there's a chance you could see the Pirates take maybe a receiver uh, to replace the loss of Blake Prohl. And um, it, a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff comes down to relationships. Um, Who is the best fit? Are they an ideal fit? I mean, so much of the transfer portal. Once a, a talented guy enters the portal, so many schools reach out to him, and a lot of it does come down to, hey, was I recruited by this school previously? Do I know a coach? Does my do my parents know somebody at the school they can talk to? Um, there's just so much that kind of goes into the process. Just because a talented guy enters a portal that might be a fit doesn't mean, you know, he's going to go to ECU. So a uh, lot of – tell you what, though, man, the portal the last few days, it's uh, it's amazing. I, when I'm working throughout the day, I kind of have the 24-7 Sports Transfer Portal account open in a separate window. And every 30 minutes, I'll click on it to refresh it. And it's just amazing the number of guys that are in there. Uh, you look at a, a program like Temple, you know, they've had about five, six notable guys transfer out. They've also replaced those guys with transfers coming in. And, you know, sometimes it can work, sometimes it doesn't. You can't live on transfers. You know, I think we've seen that over the years. They're, they're just too much unknown. Now you can really supplement your program and build it the right way and then plug those pieces in and you can find some um, some really good transfers that route that can really take your program to the next level. But, you know, you can't live on transfers. And I think ECU, um, they're trying to find the right balance there. The roster is improving. It's getting to the point where they have a chance to really do some special stuff these next couple of years. And I think if they see two or three grad transfers or two or three guys in the portal that fit well, uh, they'll try to bring them in to add them to what's already uh, becoming a pretty strong roster and foundation as Mike Houston has kind of rebuilt this thing 
from the ground up. But overall, you know, a solid recruiting class for ECU. Again, still much to much to do. Um, you look at the rankings, you know, ECU is not going to blow you out of the chart on 24-7 sports, but their average player rating in terms of stars, for those that care about the stuff, uh, is more than a point higher than last year's class, which was a top half class in the American Athletic Conference. And um, so you're not getting as much quantity, but arguably you're getting more quality and you're getting high-end players in limited spots. And I think that will continue uh, through the transfer route or through the JUCO route. Um, and if any high school kid is added from this point forward, I would expect that they would be um, kind of a top, top-notch three-star caliber athlete just based on what Coach Houston has said. So we'll see how it transpires. Again, still much to get done between now and February, but the coaching staff at least can breathe a little bit now that the first signing period has come and is about to be gone. I want to switch gears a little bit before we get out of here for good. Uh, ECU basketball. Let's talk some hoops because the Pirates played their conference opener last night on the hardwood. Fell 70-55 to to Southern Methodist University in Dallas. It was their first loss of the season. And uh, kind of an interesting game in that we all expected it to be a higher scoring affair. And really didn't turn out that way. I was I was really impressed by SMU's defense on ECU, and it was an off night for ECU's offense. It was a battle of unbeaten's going into the game. Uh, ECU only trailed 30 to 28 at halftime. It was a close, competitive first half. In the second half, there was like a five minute stretch where ECU just couldn't buy a bucket. SMU went on a 12-0 run. From there, they kind of rolled and uh, outscored ECU in the second half, 40 to 27 to win. 70 to 55. SMU goes to 5 and 0 on the season 1 and 0 in the American ECU drops to 5 and 1 and 0 and 1 in the AAC. It was a tough opener in terms of conference play because this is a team that arguably is a top 3 team in the league. Extremely athletic, elite point guard play. I mean Kendrick Davis is the real deal. I think he's a future NBA caliber point guard. Um you know, they're bigs, Ferran Hunt, Ethan Chargois. They're in that 6'9", 6'8", range with great versatility, can play in and out. They give Jaden Gardner fits because of their length and athleticism. They're kind of just a bad matchup for ECU. I mean, they're a bad matchup for a lot of teams because they're an NCAA tournament caliber team. They can shoot to three. They're, their defense is really improved. They got great point guard play. They can stretch stretch you uh, with the big guys out on the perimeter, or they can score inside. And then they add your Nye, who is an Oklahoma State transfer, that added three blocks in 14 minutes last night. Uh, that was his first game eligible. So they really have a complete team. ECU picked a bad night to kind of have an off night offensively. They were actually decent from three, six of 16, but inside the arc they were not good. 22 of 20, uh, 59 on field goals overall. Um Shot 33% in the second half compared to 41% in the first half. It was an off night for all of ECU's star players. Jaden only went 5 of 14 from the field. Tristan Newton only 4 of 11 from the field. And Brandon Suggs went 1 of 6 from the field and 2 of 5 from the line. So just an off night for ECU's guys. Batumba Baruti played well. He made three threes, finished with 11 points. Gardner went down with an ugly, ugly play towards the end of regulation looked like he bruised his tailbone I thought um upon initially seeing it he may have cracked it because he was in such pain but Joe Dooley said after the game they think he'll be fine we'll keep an we'll keep an eye on that as ECU will return to non-conference play this Saturday against the James Madison Dukes that will be their final 
non-conference game, at least scheduled for now, uh, as, as things sit now. James Madison has had a lengthy, lengthy pause due to COVID-19, uh, but it looks like that game will happen on Saturday, barring any last-minute changes. That is set for a 1 p.m. tip-off inside Menjis. After that, ECU has a few days to recover, and then they play Tulane in their second conference game on the 22nd, also inside Menjis. So we'll see how they bounce back over these next two games at home. Again, 5-1, and one, good start to the year, tough conference opener. I think these next three or four games, they play James Madison, Tulane, and then play Wichita State and Tulane on the road. Um, so Tulane twice early in conference play. They really need to uh, find a way to win a few of these conference games coming up. You know, you have Tulane, Wichita, Tulane, and then South Florida, the next four league games. And I think if you could go 3-1 and one over that stretch, you feel pretty good after starting with a tough SMU game on the road. So there's your basketball talk. Again, we'll talk more hoops next week. Had to focus the majority of this show on National Signing Day, ECU again with 16 signees announced, 12 to letters of intent, two transfers. Um, solid start for the 2021 class as ECU tries to continue to rebuild this roster into a bowl caliber roster, into a potential conference championship competition uh, caliber roster in time with the right progression under head coach Mike Houston. They're getting there brick by brick. It's not an easy build and it's taking some time, but. Uh, you look at this this roster now compared to what it was when Coach Houston first took over in December of 2018, and it's night and day. And I, I think it'll continue to get better with more time. But that'll do it for our show. Hope you enjoyed our National Signing Day Recap Podcast special. I am Stephen Igo. We'll talk to you next week talking about some pirate hoops and whatever else comes to mind. You've been listening to the Hoist of College Podcast. Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.